0: Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be starting in verse 25. And I'd ask that y'all don't focus on the husbands love your wives part. We're not really getting into that today. Where we really want to focus on is the comparison they're making here. Verse 25 says, Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. So this is what we want to focus on, how Christ loved the church. He gave Himself for it. Remember that song we just sang? (laughs) Jesus paid it all. He gave Himself for you and me. How many people can you say that about today? That gave themselves for you. Gave themselves that you might have a, a better life or live at all. <laughs> you know, there's just not many people you can say that about. But Jesus gave Himself for His His Church, His body, His His heirs, joint heirs. He He gave Himself. He offered Himself up that we might have life. Verse 26 is "...that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish." Okay? The purpose in Jesus Offering Himself as a sacrifice for our sins is that we could be washed and made clean and be holy and be in relationship with Him. Okay? Y'all, we need to understand the details of what He's saying here. Because it's overlooked many times. Many times it's... it's uh, I don't want to say belittled, but it's, it's minimized. Okay? We, we are saved. We move past salvation and somehow we lose sight of the fact that there was a greater purpose than just us being saved. Okay? Yes, we had to be saved because we were destined for eternal death in hell. But... Beyond us being saved, He doesn't just want people. He wants people that love Him and that want to come into fellowship with Him. I want you to understand just being saved uh, is not the end of you coming into fellowship with the risen Savior. It says that He might sanctify and cleanse it. Sanctify means to set apart for his purposes. I think we all understand what cleanse it means to make it clean. That's, that's pretty easy. You might be sitting there saying today, Well, what in the world do I need to be made clean of? I showered today. This is my day to shower. <clears throat> we ain't talking about the way you smell. We're not talking about did you get the dirt out from under your fingernails. What we're talking about is what's going on up here and in here. You see? I want you all to understand something. It ain't even about your actions. What kind of things are you dwelling on? What kind of things are you allowing to come up and set up a house in your heart? What are you feeding your spirit? You say, well, I had not fed my spirit. Wrong. Because see, if you're not intentionally feeding it by the washing of the Word, there's something else that's coming in and contaminating it. You know what happens if you have oil in a jar and you put water in it? Oil floats. What happens if you keep putting water in there? Eventually, the oil will be gone, won't it? Because that water will take place of where the oil is. The oil rises to the top and will flow out. Alright? You know, th- this is not t- too far of a stretch of your imagination to begin to understand that, that one of two things is coming into you, either good or bad. And when you allow bad to come in, guess what? It's going to push out the good. When you put good in, it's going to push out the bad. It's not something that we have to really set and figure out and have somebody explain to us. This is the way it works. And y'all, I can tell you from personal experience that when I... Even though I am a Christian, I am saved, I am a child of God, when I entertain things of this world more than I entertain the things of God, guess what happens? I become contaminated, corrupted. My thoughts begin to be on things of the world, things of the flesh, More than they are things of God. He offered himself so that he could have us sanctified, cleansed, set apart, different. So, does salvation take care of that? One time it does. What happens after that? You see, I'm not saved day after day after day. I am saved. That is, a, that is a state, okay? It's a state of being, but there has to be something that continually purges me. Because I don't know about y'all, but I am continually in this world and subject to trials, temptations, and tribulation. How many of y'all had temptations this week? If you didn't, you're blind. You have missed what's going on around you. And you're probably lying to yourself today. Because see, temptations come all the time. Don't be afraid to raise your hand and say, I had temptations this week. Temptations not sin. Let's remind everyone of that. Temptations are common to man. Jesus Himself had temptations. Okay? He was man. Now, what did you do with those temptations? You see, we talked last week, last Sunday night, and y'all need to come Sunday night. I'm going to just throw that in there real quick. There's a whole lot of different teaching going on Sunday night. (laughs) We talked last week, and we used an example of Joseph. Joseph found himself in a position, a high position in Egypt, right? The Pharaoh had began to trust him with all sorts of things. And the Pharaoh's wife kind of had designs on Joseph. She wanted him to come and sleep with her and do things that are not godly and not righteous. and. What did Joseph do? I want to point this out to you today. If you weren't here Sunday night or if you, maybe you have lost sight of it through the week, what was it that Joseph did to deal with the temptation? He ran from it. He said, I'm not going to stay around and find out how strong I am. Y'all, there ought to be an awareness in your heart and in your mind of what your weaknesses and strong points are. There are certain things that each of us must deal with. I'm not just talking to the guys today. I'm talking to each and every one of you. You know what your weaknesses are and what you should do instead of working to to build up your walls around you to strengthen yourself against them. You need to just flee temptation. Just get away from it. Do everything you can to avoid it. Just stay away from that thing because you know when temptation comes, once again, I can tell you from personal experience, when temptation comes, I am weak and pathetic, y'all. I just have to avoid it. I know when I put myself in certain situations, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. You know what? The best thing for me to do is just stay away from it because I know I don't have to deal with it then. And you know what happens when I do that? I'm able to remain pure and holy. Y'all, I, I talked about this last Sunday, and I know y'all are going to get tired of me hearing me say that. But listen, you missed out on something. Holiness is something you must hang on to, okay? From the moment that you go to God and say, Father, forgive me of these sins, He washes you clean. And in that moment, you are holy. How long does that last? That's up to you. I didn't say it was up to God. See, when God does something, He does it right. He didn't make me a little bit clean, He cleaned me. We, we hear so many analogies where they use the, the phrase, white as snow. Y'all ever watch snow fall? It's not dirty, is it? Don't want it, before it hits the ground? And when there's a good layer of it, when it's fresh snow, man, it's just as white. You can't get no whiter. Now, after it's on the ground, especially here in East Texas, after a little while, it gets contaminated, don't it? But when it is fresh, when it is new, it is as pure and white as as is possible. And y'all, we are the same way. When we go to God and He washes us and cleanses us, it don't get no cleaner, okay? And you say, well, even after I do that, I still have thoughts. Maybe it didn't stick. Listen, temptations come. You can't change that. But what you can do is say, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to hang on to my holiness. I'm going to flee temptation. I'm going to stay away from things I know are evil. I'm going to drive myself in a direction that is after the righteousness of God. See, that's my choice. God don't do that for me. You hear me today. God does not do that for me. He will not force me into holiness. That's something I have to seek. God is faithful to always provide it, though. Let's talk about the Word. Verse 26 says, cleanse it, talking about the church, talking about us, with the washing of water by the Word. You say, what does the Word have to do with making me clean? Well, God does the work, okay? But there's something you need to know how do I stay clean? What is the appropriate way, the appropriate method for me to go about being righteous? You see, the Word is the thing that declares to you what is sin. The Word is the thing that also at the same time instills hope and faith within you knowing that it's possible to live a life without sin. Did you hear me right? Some of you may be sitting there saying, wait a minute, it's not possible for me to live without sin. Wrong. I guarantee you it's possible. You know why I know that? Jesus was my example. Y'all, He didn't come and do anything that wasn't possible for us to do. You know why He did that? <laughs> to show us we could. Okay? So, He definitely had kind of a, a upper edge on us in the fact that He was the Son of God, right? Let's not diminish that in any way. But y'all, He lived a life demonstrating to us That this life of of temptation coming, but no reaction in the form of sin, He lived that life showing us, this is what you ought to do. Jesus said, be sure that you will have trials and tribulations in this life. He pointed that out because he wanted us to not be surprised when they show up. But if you stop right there, it's kind of a dim and dark outlook on, on life, knowing, man, trouble's coming. But you need to read the rest of it. Because he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. What does that mean? It means take heart. It means liven up a little bit. Where's your hope? Get some hope within you because you need to know the rest of the story. The rest of the story says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do you hear me today, church? You see, He lived an example for us. He said, we need to live and be holy. What does the Word have to do with this? Well, I'm going to tell you real quick. Ephesians 6 and 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's my weapon. What did Jesus use against the devil when temptation came? The Word. He didn't grab a magic wand and start waving it around. Y'all, He didn't make miracles happen to demonstrate His power to Satan. You hear me today? He He didn't have to speak some mighty prayer and eloquent things. He didn't go there. He just spoke the Word of God to him. And I want you to see the devil's reaction. He tempted him in one thing. What, what are the things he tempted him in? He tempted him in things of the flesh. He tempted him in things of pride. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and, and what was the third one? Um, huh? What was it, John? Pride of life, that's it. Okay. So he tempted him in those three areas. When He came at Him with one, Jesus responded with the Word and the devil moved on to something different. Okay? That's important to note. Alright? You really need to focus on these little details, people. As you read the Word, you need to dig into those little details Because he didn't keep hammering him on the same topic. Because Jesus gave an appropriate response to him on that topic, he moved on to something else. Well, if I can't get him there, I'm going to get him with this. He does the same thing to you all the time. Here's the difference, child of God. Satan comes at you and attacks you and you're weak and and you submit to temptation. What does he do? He returns and hits you again in the same area and he drives that stake a little deeper every time. And when we don't respond with the Word of God, you know what he does? He says, aha! (laughs) I found a little nook and cranny I can get into and begin to drive my wedge in. And he begins to pull apart your armor because you have led him within the, the area of attack instead of keeping him at a distance. Hear me today, church holiness is the thing that we as, as children of God need to set us apart from the rest of the world. You want to have solid ground to stand on and fight against the enemy? You need to quit allowing him in so close. Don't allow him to come into your home. Don't allow those things that are kind of borderline and, and, sh- and shaky on whether they're good or bad. Just say, no, I ain't even going to chance it. The appearance of evil is the thing you should be fleeing. Don't sit around and wait until you know for sure it is. Huh? How many of you do that? How many of you push the boundaries and say, well, let's just see if it's really as bad as I think it might be. Let's just get up close to it and get a good look and see if it really will harm me go ahead and touch that stovetop, kids, and see what happens. Right? You see, what, hap- what ought to happen is you get your hand, whoa, that feels kind of warm. Maybe I shouldn't even get any closer. Will it burn you? Stick your hand under it and find out. What's the point in that? Right? What is the point in that? Some of us are just too dull in the head, between the ears, to understand... That that thing will hurt you. Stay away, and y'all, I include myself in that. I have done it a large part of my life. Okay, I'm not trying to pick on nobody today, but that is what will happen when you begin to entertain the things of the world. Things you see when you first start out; those woo 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 alarms start going off, and you you step back. But what happens the first time you step up there and you kind of put in your earplugs and ignore those alarms? Eventually, you don't hear them anymore. And you go another step. You're ignoring the warning signs. And y'all, I know I'm speaking in terms today that are kind of out there a little bit. But I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. You see, holiness is something you've got to just dig your fingers into and hang on to. Because it can be gone just like that. What is holiness? It's being pure. It's being clean before God. Not being free from sin, okay? And by, by being free, I mean having an absence of sin in you. Okay? Don't begin to confuse holiness with having some kind of attitude where you're above people. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about today is in your personal life, you know where the potential for sin abounds. You have full control over whether you sin or not. Holiness is fully within your grasp. You can start right now. You can say, I'm going to be holy. Now listen, you can't do this on your own. You have to do it, but you can't do it on your own. Been there, done that. They didn't even give me a t-shirt because they said you're too stupid to continue. Back up and try again. You can't do it on your own. Let me say it one more time in case you're not listening to me right now. You cannot do it on your own. If that's the case, then what is required? Well, be nice if you knew the Word. That's your sword. That's what you're going to fight with. That's what you're going to turn to when you need some encouragement. That's what you're going to find uh, your, your substance of, of faith right there is, is in the Word of God. Knowing His promises. Knowing who He says you are. Knowing who He says He is. Knowing what He's capable of. If you don't know those things, what is the point? Verse 2 of Romans chapter 12 says, Be not conformed to this world. You know, we probably could just stop right there and just spend an hour and a half talking about nothing but that, because that is what we see all around us today. It's people wanting to conform to this world's image. I ain't talking about necessarily the clothes you wear or the cars you drive. I'm talking about your moral standards right now, people. And listen, I'm talking to a house full of Christians today. I'm not talking to a, to, I'm not at a, some revival meeting talking to a house full of sinners that don't know Jesus. I'm talking to a house full of people that claim to be children of God, and I know that most of you are. Okay? Don't be conformed to the image of this world. Listen, Jesus didn't come and die and sacrifice Himself for you so that you could just keep on living however in the world you want to live. That was not the purpose. What was His purpose in coming? Because He wanted fellowship with you. He loved you so much and desired you so much that He sent His Son to die in your place just so that He could just have you and be in communion and have conversation and spend time with you. And when you entertain the things of this world, you just make that impossible. It's a dividing wall. Some of y'all are sitting here today and if I were to ask you this question, I don't know what your answer would be, but you do. When's the last time you heard from God? When's the last time God spoke something into your heart and, and, and He just blew you away? Some of you may say, never. I feel sorry for you. Some of you may say, man, it's been ten years. I feel sorry for you. Do you know there's preachers in churches today that would have the same answers? Haven't heard from God. There's something wrong with that. Y'all, listen to me. There's something wrong with that. Because see, I am supposed to be His child. I am an heir of the promise. Huh? And I haven't heard from my father. And I don't know how long. There's a problem there, y'all. You need to stop and figure out what is the cause of that. You see, it's not him because every time I have ever turned to God and say, "Lord, I need you." Boom, he's there. It's not him. He goes and pursues me and seeks me out and tries to woo my heart that I might turn to him. It's not him. But what it is, is all of the things of this world I allow to come in and take His place. The things that I allow to come in and just saturate my spirit, and they're worthless. I don't have time for God anymore. I don't have time to to humble myself before His throne. I've got so many things I've got to do. You know why you haven't heard from Him? Because He ain't going to force Himself on you. He's done everything He can to draw you to Him. He can only do so much. At some point, you have to respond. And you have to say, I want holiness. I want you all to hear me today. He will have no part of unholiness. He will not allow Himself to become corrupted by the things of this world. He says, be not conformed to this world. Don't look like them. Huh? That's pretty easy to understand. Don't look like them. And you say, well, what do you mean? You know, I I have the same kind of haircuts and... Wear some of the same clothes that everybody else in this world does. What do you mean by that? I ain't talking about your appearance. I'm talking about the way you behave. Your moral standards. The things you allow to go on in your presence. Do you hear me, church? Don't look like them. There shouldn't be any doubt in the minds of those that are around you of what you stand for. There should never be an opportunity where they might say, oh, he won't mind if I talk about this around him. Huh? What you ought to be hearing is, I'll tell y'all later. Hmm? They shouldn't want to talk about certain things around you because they know what you stand for. It ought to just offend them. I said that, yeah. Yeah it should be an offense to them, your standards. And if it's not, if it's not an offense, there's only two possibilities. Either you're not living it, or they're right there with you. Okay? Because if you are living it, if you are living what the Word of God says, if you are living a holy, sanctified life, it will be an offense to the world. It can't be any other way. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. What does that mean? It means I was one way. I need to change into something different. Not the way I was before I was saved but more like the image of Christ. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that tell you? It tells me my outside appearance ain't got nothing to do with what He's talking about right now. Quit judging people by their outside appearance, by the way. Hmm? Y'all hear me today? Because everybody sitting here kind of looks the same, right? Right? I mean, we all, we all kind of look, in general terms, the same. Nice, clean-cut people, right? We keep our hair reasonable lengths, and we wear decent clothes when we come to church. We don't see a whole lot of tattoos and ear piercings and long, shaggy hair in the building today, do we? All right, but what if one walked in? Huh? What's the first thought going to go through your mind? I know what's going to go through mine. And it's wrong. Because see, this doesn't say anything about changing your outside appearance. Now, will those things change later? Maybe. But I some of the finest Christian men I've met have not looked anything like me. Alright? So, if God so chooses to clean them up, that's fine. That ain't what matters. Pardon my East Texas today. Be not conformed to this world. Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about your moral standards, the way you behave, the things that you convey to those around you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not the cleaning up of your body, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Those things are achieved by your mind being conformed to the image of Christ. Not this world. Some of y'all got shows on your DVRs at home right now that you'd be absolutely ashamed if somebody found out they were there. Huh? Some of you have done things this week that if somebody found out in this church, you would just be absolutely mortified. Y'all, I'm not here judging you today. I'm trying to raise a standard. Cause see, that is the thing that declares I'm here to fight. Huh? Did y'all hear that? Because see, that's the difference. There's there's those Christians that don't raise a standard. And they sit there and endure whatever comes to them and submit to temptation and fall into all sorts of pits. But those that begin to raise a standard and say, no more. Today, I'm going to fight. I'm going to raise this standard. I'm going to walk boldly into battle knowing that if God is for me, no one can stand against me. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about battles with flesh and blood, but I am talking about a battle with spiritual wickedness in high places. What I'm trying to tell you about today is that there is an enemy coming after your holiness on a daily basis. Don't let him run over you. Don't let him steal it from you. Because I don't know about y'all, but My Holiness, huh, it comes at a price. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, a lot of diligently putting myself into the Word and seeking God to maintain it. I don't want to just lay down and let Him have it. Huh? If you, if you bought a house and moved in and cleaned everything up and, and made it all just nice... Would you just give it away to somebody? Would you want somebody to just come in there and say, I think I'm going to live here now. You can leave. No. Ain't none of us sitting here going to do that. We're going to say, wait a minute. I put too much work into this house to just hand the keys over to you because you want it. Don't give up your holiness like that. What do you... Let's, let's take one more little look at this before we close. Think about what you're giving up when you give up your holiness. Let's just begin to count the things, right? First of all, all that work and effort you put into maintaining that, gone, out the window, wasted time. Second of all, your relationship with God is non-existent at that point. do I even need to go any further? Right? How many of y'all want God to be actively involved in your life? There ain't nobody here today that would say no. How many of y'all want the blessings of God? Right? How many of y'all want God to just love you and be in your... Oh man, come on, right? And you just want to give it away for a moment because that's how quick it's gone. Just like that, it's gone. You see, holiness, there's no degrees of holiness. You can't be a little holy or a little bit more holy. There is no, I'm holier than you. (laughs) You're either holy or you're not. Holiness is what? The absence of sin, right? when I'm pure and undefiled, so any little thing can make me unholy. It's hard to hang on to, ain't it? See, I'm not sugarcoating this today for you. I'm not here to tell you that, oh, just you'll be alright. Y'all, it ain't going to be alright if you don't fight for it. It ain't going to be alright if you don't raise that standard in your life and in your house and say, I am going to be holy because He is holy. Only you can do that.